And welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. This episode, we are covering every Nickelodeon property that either premiered or finished its run during the time of June 6th to June 12th. Uh, on last week's episode, I mentioned the Noggin segment, the Fred on Your Head show, uh, debuting on June 6th. I That should have been on this week's episode, but... Man, for every episode that I have ever mentioned, the sheer lack of content to talk about, I am putting my foot in because of this week's episode. We have not only a lot to get through, but for some of them, they deserve a lot to be mentioned and to talk about. So uh, we're going to not waste any more time and we're going to jump right into it. Uh, starting this year, we have another show making its debut during a week of release of this episode. On June 7th, 2021, The Beat Buds Let's Jam premiered on Nick Jr. Uh, this looks like a preschool show, but the animation of it, like you would see this and go, okay, I can tell it's a Nickelodeon show, but you wouldn't expect it immediately being for a, a younger, younger audience than um, straight up regular Nickelodeon. So this is a Nick Jr. show just started. Hopefully it has a great run. There isn't any creators listed, but Evan Sinclair has top billing as a writer. Uh, his other projects that he has worked on has been uh, Ryan's Mystery Playdate and the Aquabats Super Show. Uh, it looks like a, a pretty fun little project here. I'll have to check it out at some point. Two years ago, on June 8th, 2019, Cousins for Life finished its run on Nickelodeon. Running for one season of 20 episodes, it was created by Kevin Coplo and Heath Seifert. Also two years ago, on June 10th, 2019, the revival of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader premiered on Nickelodeon. Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader is a game show taking somebody of a of an older age, 30, 40, 50, and pitting them up against current fifth graders, up against subjects that you are were taught in the fifth grade, apparently, but you probably don't remember. So it's it's just, you know, it's it's you against kids. Uh the original show was hosted by Jeff Foxworthy and ran on, on Fox and in syndication of six seasons before Nickelodeon picked it up and brought in Mr. John Cena himself uh, to host the show. It only ran for one season. Um, unfortunately, I, I just feel like game shows on Nickelodeon, even though they've always been a match made in heaven, I, I just don't think the audience is, is there to watch like kid-centric game shows. I don't know. But this show still has some potential. It's it's going to bounce back. I, I highly doubt that the Nickelodeon run will be the last time they ever use this concept or this game show of are you smarter than a fifth grader? There's still some value in this game show, so I'm sure it'll bounce back at some point. And yet again, two years ago, on June 8th, 2019, we had the finale of Game Shakers. Game Shakers, created by Dan Schneider, ran for three seasons and had 61 episodes by the end of its run. Uh, of course, another Dan Schneider creation here. Uh, both, of course, well known for all of his Nickelodeon productions, all that. The Amanda Show, Drake and Josh, Zoe 101, iCarly, Victoria, Sam and Cat, Henry Danger, Game Shakers. 
Uh, around this time, unfortunately, is when Dan Schneider was removed from Nickelodeon for uh, reasons that have just still never been really unclosed. Uh, some people have come out against Dan Schneider about how uh, how weird of a guy he can be, and and certainly one of the big things that were a leading contributor to, to his exit from Nickelodeon was a, a growing anger issue, I guess, on set, but... Um, Game Shakers is one of his, his last live action shows that he got to work on that alongside Henry Danger. Um, he didn't get to finish out. So the last show under his belt that he got to start and finish was Sam and Cat all the way back from 2013 going into 2014. Uh, which is when he started Henry Danger. I, I didn't really watch Game Shakers, but it was nice to see Cal Mitchell get another run on Nickelodeon. He, he kind of was missing for a few years in terms of, of an on-screen presence. Of course, he has been doing a lot of voice acting and whatnot over that time. If you were a fan of Clifford the Big Red Dog, then you remember T-Bone on that show. That was Cal Mitchell. Uh, the show followed four young kids who basically ran a small game company called The Game Shakers. Within the show, the first game that the uh, the two main characters created uh, called Sky Whale, they actually really released on your iPhone, on your Android. You can, I believe, still download that game right now. And let me tell you, Sky Whale is, a, is really addictive. I have it on my phone currently. I am not ashamed of it whatsoever. It is a little fun game. It's kind of addicting. I have, I have nothing but great things to say about that game. And it also stars uh, uh, the voice of Gerald from Hey Arnold's Jungle Movie, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. So, uh, hey, if you're into Nickelodeon comedies or whatnot, I imagine uh, Game Shakers is something worth checking out. If you're a fan of it, let me know what you think. If you don't like it, I also would care to know what you think about it. Nine years ago, on June 11th, 2012, the revival of Figure It Out premiered on Nickelodeon. Figure It Out is a game show in which you have a panel of four, usually Nickelodeon stars, both adult and young, trying to guess the skill or ability of a kid that is brought onto the show. Um, there are various wacky things that go on, different ways in which they try to get the Nickelodeon celebrities to guess what the skill is. Anytime they say one of the words, the the word would get illuminated and they would unlock that. The goal being to get the entire skill. There was also a secret slime action, something that the audience was made aware that if any of the of the contestants, any of the Nick stars did that secret slime action, a, a buzzer would ring and they would get slimed. Now, truth be told, everything I've told you is pretty much evident of the original figure it out. I don't know how much they changed it for the 2012 revival. Um, but I imagine that the secret slime action was still there. The, the, the gist is still the same. It's just about guessing words, getting people to say words. It ran for a total of the entire run. It ran for six seasons of 233 episodes. It figured out is a very easy game show to film. I, it, it's very low budget. Um, I, I'm shocked that, even with the revival, it wasn't able to to find its footing. But as I said earlier in this episode, something with game shows currently on Nickelodeon, I, I don't know how much of a of a desire there are for them. I love them. Um, I I just I wouldn't watch them on a daily basis, but I imagine their kids are. I don't know. I feel like just kid game shows. There's just not many of them as there used to be. Uh, these really fun wild concepts. Concepts. I don't even care. They ha they don't even have to be for children. Having really fun game show concepts are always going to be uh, very interesting to me. 
Ten years ago, on June 12th, 2011, The Mighty Bee finished its run on Nickelodeon. Running for two seasons and 40 episodes, The Mighty Bee was created by Amy Poehler, Cynthia True, and Eric Weiss. It uh, starred Amy Poehler as Bessie Higginbottom, who is a very... And I'm reading this straight from Wikipedia because it's just an absolute perfect description of the character. Um, but Bessie Higginbottom, an ambitious and optimistic nine and three quarters year old honeybee scout who wears her uniform every day. She believes she will become a superhero called the Mighty Bee if she collects every honeybee badge. Um, so as of the first episode, she had 4,584 badges to go. It's kind of the kind of the gist of the of the show there. And there are a, a decent amount of of guest stars, including a few SNL cast members like Keenan Thompson and Mayor Rudolph. Of course, getting Keenan, though, he's a Nickelodeon mainstay, so he can come on Nickelodeon anytime he wants. Ten years ago, on June 11th, 2012, the SpongeBob anthology series Legends of Bikini Bottom finished its six-episode run. Uh, Legends of Bikini Bottom was a fun little SpongeBob event in which six episodes dealt around monsters and mythical creatures dealing with Bikini Bottom uh, were were released under this tagline, this banner of Legends of Bikini Bottom. Uh, there was a bunch of different tie-ins at the time. It was a, it was a big deal that Nickelodeon pushed, and it's kind of a fun concept. E even if they took six random episodes that haven't released yet in the seasons and put this together. I, I like these kind of events and I wish they did a little bit more of these. They're always fun. Kind of reminds me of when Cartoon Network had that invaded special and seeing the effort was put into that. Like, why aren't companies doing this more often? I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Uh, but it ran for six episodes. Uh, notably, though, the final episode, Sponge Kano, is actually like the basis of the story for the SpongeBob SquarePants musical or was at least... The, the ground zero basis. They kind of built off of that of uh, of of Sponge Kano there. Uh, so definitely check those out. All episodes. There, there's some there's some weird and wacky stuff in those episodes. Uh, they're they're worth checking out. They're worth going out of your way to, to look at. So uh, definitely check out the Legends of Bikini Bottom. Thirteen years ago, on June 6th, 2008, the Naked Brothers Band film Polar Bears premiered on Nickelodeon. 14 years ago, on June 9th, 2007, the Nickelodeon original movie Shredderman Rules premiered on Nickelodeon. It was the uh, first movie um, on Nickelodeon that was given that tagline of being a Nickelodeon original movie. So that's something uh, to keep in mind. And a day earlier, 14 years ago, on June 8th, 2007 it was the final episode of ned's declassified school survival guide uh both projects shredderman rules and ned's declassified were both starring devin warkheiser who was of course ned bigby on the show the final episode of the show titled field trips permission slips signs and weasels was a double length episode it was pretty much a tv movie and a finale of the entire series easily one of my favorite live action nickelodeon shows it really feels like a cartoon there are so many wacky characters living in this world, and I just got to give a shout out to Darren Norris, who plays Gordy the janitor. One of my favorite uh, uh, characters in that show, bar none, Darren Norris, of course, playing Cosmo on The Fairly Odd Parents. in fact, uh, cameoed with Cosmo and Wanda in Ned's Declassified. It really, if you've never watched that show and you and you feel like you can enjoy 
some, uh, some you know, live-action Nickelodeon shows, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide is definitely one worth checking out. I, I, I can't stand by that enough. Fifteen years ago, on July 2nd, 2006, Skyland premiered on Nicktoons Network. I don't remember this show at all. I remember it being advertised, but what I remember more about Skyland is actually the animation style because I believe that company also went on to make uh, Iron Man Armored Adventures for uh, Nicktoons Network. Um, it, they have a very unique CGI style, and especially at the time when CGI was, um, at least for television animation, kind of looked very cheap. Um, this kind of was very distinct. Like when you see Skyland, you, you kind of know exactly that company I'm talking about. I don't know. If you've never seen that stuff, go check it out. I, I think it's still, it's got to hold up. I, I don't know. I never watched Skyland. I watched maybe a few clips, but I fell in love with that style. And, and um, has, is there anyone else out there like that, that you can look at something, know you like the animation style, know you like the look of it, but just don't watch it at all? Is anyone else like that? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. Now to one of our bigger ones here, because 17 years ago, on June 11th, 2004, the final episode of The Wild Thornberries premiered on Nickelodeon. The Wild Thornberries is a yet another creation of the uh, couple, Arlene Klasky and Gabar Chupo, but this show is also created by Steve Papoon, David Silverman, and Steven Sestarsik. The Wild Thornberries follows Eliza Thornberry, the 11-year-old and youngest daughter of the Thornberry family, who has the ability to talk to animals. She is the only one who knows about this ability, of course, other than any of the animals she speaks with, but none of her family know of this power. Along with Eliza, her family also includes her father, Nigel Thornberry, who is the host of his own uh, documentary animal show, very much in line of a Steve Irwin, although I would say that Nigel Thornberry is if Bob Ross wanted to be Steve Irwin. He, he talks with a very calm voice. He's voiced by Tim Curry, who is literally one of my favorite actors, and he brings such a earnest, caring, loving voice to Nigel Thornberry. He's one of the best Nicktoons of all time, and, and easily, in terms of the adults, the best adult Nicktoon there is. Nigel Thornberry, everybody loves, everybody trusts. He is a, a well-spoken individual and just a loving father, a loving husband, and cares very much about the conservation of animals. He, he cares about the environment and what goes on. Uh, so he is the host of his documentary show, and his wife, Mary Ann Thornberry, goes with him and films him on these uh, expeditions, which sometimes mean they leave camp to go out to film some very rare sloth and leaving Eliza alone with her older sister, Debbie, who is very much the angsty 16-year-old stuck in Africa in this wonderful Humvee who just wants to be literally anywhere else in the world. Uh, along with the four Thornberries, they also have Donnie, a feral boy who was adopted by the Thornberries after being raised uh, by orangutans in Borneo. Um, Donnie is around four or five years old and only speaks in pure gibberish. Uh, although in some cases you can kind of understand what he's trying to get across, but he is voiced by Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who, because of his Donnie work, is one of my favorite musicians. Like, the fact that when uh, when I heard that Flea was, was the voice of Donnie and was 
um, in the wild thornberries. It made me go into listening more of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I kind of became a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan because of the wild thornberries. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, and, and if you know anything about Donnie, it's crazy to think that this really successful musician comes into a, a recording booth and just does all of that. It's absolutely manic. Um, so the entire family lives in this absolutely wonderful uh, Humvee, which can pretty much do almost anything you can imagine a Humvee is able to do and can go anywhere you can imagine a Humvee going. What's really genius about the Wild Thornberries is that while it is super entertaining, it is also educational on top of that. You may not even know that you're subtly learning about animals in different parts of the world. Um, it, it doesn't beat you over the head that it's trying to teach you something. You just kind of pick up pieces of information of some of the animals you are seeing and even some of the areas they are in. Uh, I can't tell you things that I learned from that show, but I imagine there are a few factoids about animals or, or things about animals that I know of as fact now that I may have learned for the first time from the Wild Thornberries. Uh, it ran for five seasons, 91 episodes, nine short of being at that 100 mark, and also has two theatrically released films. Of course, the original Wild Thornberries movie, which uh, premiered in 2002 on December 20th, 2002. But they also were part of the Rugrats Go Wild movie in which the Thornberries meet the Rugrats as they're stranded on an island, which came out June 13th, 2003. Uh, both were moderate successes at the box office, but um, at this point, unfortunately, the Nicktoons movies were just not doing as well as they used to. We're, we're talking like the Rugrats and Rugrats in Paris getting over $100 million at the box office, and we're, here we have the Wild Thornberries only making $60 million on a $25 million budget. Still profitable, probably, in some ways for Paramount and Nickelodeon movies, but... Um, not the explosive hit I'm sure that they wanted, and, and probably the reasons why that after the Wild Thornberries, Hey Arnold, and Rugrats Go Wild, they really didn't touch anything until SpongeBob. Even the SpongeBob SquarePants movie coming out in 2004, massive hit, took a long time to get a sequel out, and we haven't really even seen any other Nicktoons enter the theatrical space since then, so... Um, I'm, I'm happy this short window existed. Unfortunately, the Wild Thornberries movie I didn't see in theaters, um, and, and even the Wild Thornberries, when they were on television, they weren't my favorite Nicktoon, but they are a strong backbone of the 90s Nicktoons lineup. It's a, it's a really good, wholesome show that you can point to as quality entertainment. Um, I, I adore the Wild Thornberries a ton. I, I adore Nigel Thornberry so much, uh, just... As I as I mentioned earlier, he's very much like Bob Ross and Steve Irwin having a child, if that was possible. That it would really be Nigel Thornberry with a bit of a, a British English twist, if you will. Um, but it is still as beloved today as it was back then. And it may not be one of the biggest Nicktoons ever, but it had a big longevity on television that a lot of Nicktoons didn't get to have. Um, 91 episodes is a lot. I wish they could have gotten to that magical 100, but um, that between two theatrical films, the, the Wild Thornberries really made a statement on Nickelodeon that is still felt to this day as fondly remembered as it is. 17 years ago, on June 8th, 2004, the final episode of Hey Arnold premiered on Nickelodeon. 
Hey Arnold's, without question, is, in my opinion, objectively the best Nicktoon of all time. And I believe this so much that one day I hope to be able to put on a TED Talk of some sort to explain and, and really go over just how groundbreaking, important, and magical Hey Arnold is. It's, it's one of the most important pieces of American animation that we have. Um, so real, so earnest, and at the same time, one of the most enjoyable shows you can watch as a kid and as an adult. Uh, as much of, of a Spongebob fan as I am, and, and Spongebob is my personal favorite cartoon of all time, there's something about Hey Arnold that as time has gone on, I have been able to enjoy it ten times more than I was able to as a kid because now I can see some of the messages that were being taught and some of the storylines that were being shown, it was real. It, it felt real, even though it was a cartoon. There's, you could look at any character on that show that may have had any negative uh, attributes to them, and you could probably find somebody in your life, a friend, a family member, who that reminds you of. Uh, the show created by Craig Bartlett ran for five seasons and 100 episodes. Boom. Made it the, uh, the 100 there. It also had its own theatrical film released on June 28th, 2002, known as Hey Arnold the Movie, and was also the first Nicktoon really chosen when they decided to go back to the nostalgic well of the classic Nicktoons with Hey Arnold the Jungle Movie, which premiered on November 24th, 2017. The show follows Arnold, uh, originally not really having a last name. He was just Arnold. We now know his full name is Arnold Shortman. But the show revolves around Arnold in his day-to-day -day life. It's a slice-of-life cartoon. It's You get to world-build. You get to see new characters and new parts of this city. Um, he lives in Hillwood, which is is very much a, uh, a amalgamation of different beautiful parts of cities that Craig Bartlett lived near and other people who worked on. Um, it, it has an urban aesthetic that we just didn't see in cartoons at the time, and, and at least in an honest way. Um, sometimes urban settings were made to just like they were all clean, and, and Arnold didn't have that. Arnold showed you that parts of the city were a little dirty and dingy, but there was beauty to be found in everything. You look at some of those backgrounds, and even when they're drawing trash, it looks beautiful. It looks gorgeous. Um, the music by Jim Lang, this this low-level jazz that that just stays with you throughout the entire show. It There is so much magic to be had here. There is so much to be said. And I don't have all the time in the world to say it, but eventually I will. Eventually I will be able to talk about Hey Arnold more and to go deep into what I think about it uh, and how I feel it, it truly should be looked at in 2021. Along with Arnold, he is joined by his best friend, Gerald Johansson, and of course the antagonist of the show, Helga Pataki, who literally, I, I know I said, hey Arnold is the star of the show, and the show is called Hey Arnold, but um, let's be real here. Hel Helga Pataki is by far the main character of the show. Uh, Helga is a, the only other character that we really get to follow and see how they are on their own and see their inner thoughts. Certainly there are episodes that involve just Gerald and episodes that involve Harold and Sid and Stinky and all the characters of PS 118. But Helga is the foundation of this show. It, it's incredible what they're able to do with this character. And, and really that by the end of the show, Helga is just 
like I said, the main character. Um, Helga is the antagonist to Arnold, but she secretly loves him. So to his face, she treats him terribly. But behind his back, she is enthralled with this boy to the point that she makes multiple shrines in her closet devoted to Arnold, who we end up finding out this all this love stems from the fact that Arnold was one of the first people in her life at a very young age that showed her any love, showed her any respect. She lives with parents who... Um, are free, frequently drinking smoothies and who are obsessed with their jobs and their perfect daughter, Olga, uh, Helga's older older sister. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. A lot of characters that go through rough situations. We see characters who are living through poverty. We see characters who are living through struggles of not being able to read, um, not being able to hold a job. Um, and Arnold is always there to help out. He is the the ultimate optimist. Even in some cases, being told that optimism just doesn't work. Uh, the show, for as real as it is, is also super enjoyable. Its cast of characters are colorful, and, and every race and, and group is pretty much represented in this show at a time when that wasn't happening on children's television. The stories that they were able to tell with Hey Arnold is unbelievable that they were happening in the 90s. These are stories that you would expect today from shows that were happening before your eyes decades earlier. Um, hey Arnold deserves every single accolade it gets and more. It deserves more. Um, it should be regarded, as I mentioned earlier, as one of the best pieces of American animation. It, it's, it's truly groundbreaking. It is one of a kind. And that's why I say, objectively, it's the greatest Nicktoon. Uh, no other Nicktoon can hold a candle to it in, in, in terms of content. Um, there are certainly funnier Nicktoons, and there are certainly Nicktoons that have um, deeper stories like, like Avatar. But in taking the creativity uh, aside for a second, just the, the realistic human emotions and struggles that they were able to present on a children's show is unbelievable. So if you are an adult and you haven't gone back and watched Hey Arnold, do yourself a favor. Go back and watch that show and come back and let me know what you think and re-watching it as an adult because it is absolutely just as much of an enjoyable experience watching it through an adult viewpoint as it is to watch as a kid and laugh at all the silly humor. When I was a teacher for three years in a row during the Christmas season, I would show Arnold's Christmas, which is my absolute favorite Christmas special that has ever existed because of how real it gets. It, it's not about gifts. It's a, it's about making somebody happy. And especially when Miss, you get into Mr. Wynn's daughter and the backstory of what had happened. Look, I showed groups of kids as young as kindergarten, as old as fifth grade. I showed him this special. And the second the show went to Mr. Wynn's home country, and you see the war, and you see that he gave up his daughter. All eyes, every time, three classes, three years in a row, all eyes and attention were on that screen for the rest of the special. I have so many more great things to say about Hey Arnold, but um, I've already been long-winded enough. I, I do hope that as I've, as I've sat here talking about it, I hope that people who may have looked past Hey Arnold in the past 
are able to go back and enjoy it, please do yourself a favor. Watch some Hey Arnold. Um, if you need some suggestions, I will happily uh, meet you on Twitter at I'm Ready Podcast. I'll meet you on Instagram at SpongeBob Podcast. I'll talk to you, Hey Arnold, day and night. I have no problem with that. I could talk about Hey Arnold longer than I can talk about SpongeBob. And that's saying something because I have a SpongeBob podcast. Uh, yes, I do plan on on doing something Hey Arnold related in the future, but but that's going to be something special. I'm going to hold that until till it's 100%. 20 years ago, on June 11th, 2001, The Angry Beavers finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Mitch Schauer, The Angry Beavers ran for four seasons and 62 episodes. That's uh, 123 segments. The Angry Beavers stars two brothers, Norbert and Daggett Beaver, who leave their uh, parental nest and venture off into the world to create their own dam um, and eventually just kind of live their lives. And it's just about their their daily lives living in this dam in the forest and some of the other uh, characters around them. And it's just a it's a super fun show. It has a level of energy that honestly a lot of other Nicktoons kind of lacked at the time. It, it brought out that that very Rocco's Modern Life-esque energy. Now, it may not have gone for the as many of adult jokes as Rocco's Modern Life did, but uh, The Angry Beavers was still a quality watch at the time and really felt in line. Like, at the time, I don't, I can't explain it, but um, anytime there was a new Nicktoon, it felt, it felt right. There was not a Nicktoon as growing up that felt like it was out of place, and The Angry Beavers definitely had a place on Nickelodeon. Uh, Daggett, voiced by Richard Horowitz, is one of my favorite Nicktoons of all time, but I can't forget his brother Norbert, voiced by Nick Bacay, who is one of my favorite voices of a cartoon character. Norbert, his, his, he's also the voice of Salem the Cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, so if you ever, if you never made that co uh, connection there, there you go. Uh, Norbert and, and Salem are one and the same. Uh, but that voice is just, it has such a calming, jazzy type voice for Norbert. Um, and of course, I can't forget one of my favorite Nicktoons of all time, Stump. A giant sequoia stump who is uh, friends with the beavers. He is, uh, he doesn't move. He literally doesn't move, doesn't say anything. He's apparently alive, but he is never seen moving or talking on screen. It's incredible. One of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, if, if there's one episode I could say that I really enjoy of the Angry Beavers, um, the episode in which Daggett annoys Norbert throughout the week enough that at the end of the week, Norbert punches him to last week. And literally Daggett has to relive the same week over and over again, trying not to get punched to relive it. And boy, let me tell you. Absolute roller coaster of an episode. One of my favorites. It's one of those episodes that I don't even have to watch the show, but I can just go back and watch that episode knowing just how funny it is. Uh, one thing to note before we, we move on is that this episode actually has a finale that never aired on Nickelodeon. The true final episode of the show, known as Bye Bye Beavers, was actually written and recorded um, as the final episode of the show in which... Uh, the Beavers are told that they're on a TV show and that the show is ending and that they're no longer going to be on Nickelodeon anymore and that there's not going to be any more show. It's a crazy concept for a show, and I can't think of any other cartoon that did this at the time. Uh, of course, this episode was never animated because Nickelodeon really doesn't want 
final episodes to really reference that it's the final episode so that as they live on in syndication, there's not really like an end. And and honestly, any show like Rocco's Modern Life or The Angry Beavers, like shows that are really nonsensical and not really story heavy, don't necessarily need like end episodes. Um, yeah, it's nice to have some finality. Um, but sometimes these shows are kind of better off just ending on a regular episode so that it can kind of just live in perpetuity over and over again without you having to see the end. Um, you can hear some of the audio of this episode around uh, YouTube or anything. I'm not linking to any of that stuff, but you can certainly find some of the uh, the recordings of Bye Bye Beavers out there. And last but not least, 31 years ago, on June 7th, 1990, Nickelodeon Studios opened up in Universal Studios, Florida. If you were a Nickelodeon fan at any point in the 90s, this was our mecca. This was our Notre Dame. This was like the, the big place to go to, to visit Orlando, to see Nickelodeon Studios, to get to go into Nickelodeon Studios and go on their little tour there and, and visit and see the sh different shows being made, to be a part of the audience of Legends of the Hidden Temple or Double Dare or to be in on taping of Keenan and Kel. It was a place to be. Now, for those that don't know, before it really pushed into the theme park aspect, Universal Studios was a studio lot. Uh, eventually, as time went on, they started opening up different attractions to get some money, re you know, ju rejuvenating into Universal, and it grew and grew, and now it's a massive amusement park experience. But, uh, no, there were legitimate studios there filming things day to day, and uh, there still are. Unfortunately, Nickelodeon is not one of them. But I already named a bunch of game shows they they did. They Nick Arcade, Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple. You also had shows like Keenan and Kel and Tyena and Clarissa Explains It All that were filmed on Nickelodeon Studios. We also had Wienerville and all that, among a bunch of other shows, including Eureka's Castle and Gullah Gullah Island. There was a lot of stuff going on at the Nickelodeon Studios. Um, and if you were lucky to to visit there, it was an exciting time. Unfortunately, the day that I got to visit Nickelodeon, I'm fortunate to have been there in person, but it was during a rainy day at Universal Studios. Unfortunately, they didn't have the, the slime geyser going. It wasn't open to the public. They didn't even have the Nickelodeon Studios gift shop little thing open. I did get to meet Chucky and Angelica um, in not-so-great costume suits, but you know... I got to be there. I got to stand in front of Nickelodeon Studios and stare at it while my father just stood there, uh, who was who was absolutely wonderful. We we spent this entire week down in Disney when I was um when I was eight years old in nineteen ninety eight. It was the same year Animal Kingdom opened up. So that park was just flooded, which means all the other Disney parks were pretty much open. And luckily, my father had it in his budget to spend one day at Universal Studios. Back then, there wasn't Islands of Adventure. There weren't any other parts. It was literally just just the studios. So there weren't many rides for us to go on at the time. It was mainly Back to the Future and E.T. that we went on. Um, but I got to experience Nickelodeon Studios. It, it's... Man, I can't say enough good things. I miss it. I miss that there isn't a place like this to visit for the general public. I know that they have their animation studio in California, but if I fly out there, I can't just show up and be like, give me a tour. Maybe I can. I don't know. Um, 16 years ago on April 30th, 2005 is when it officially closed, making way for the eventual Blue Man Group Theater, which still stands to this day. Um, if you go and 
or no, wow, I just looked. February first, two thousand twenty-one, the Blue Man Group Theater shut down. That's uh, that's pretty sad. Um, but either way, uh, there. Even though Nickelodeon Studios is gone, it's it's still felt. If you're a kid who grew up at that time, it is still something that you remember. You remember seeing that indent at the end of all of those shows I mentioned. That this was filmed live in front of a studio audience at Nickelodeon Studios at Orlando Studios, Florida. That little chalk indent with the the studios right behind the uh, the Universal Studios globe there in the front. You saw that so many times as a kid. Um, uh, Nickelodeon has always had some sort of semblance within Universal Studios. Uh, eventually, they opened up a ride called Jimmy Neutron's Nicktoon Blast, which took over the uh, old Hanna-Barbera ride, which then was eventually replaced by Despicable Me, Minion Mayhem in 2012. Eventually, the Jimmy Neutron Nicktoon Blast ride would shut down. Um, and the, as far as I know, the only real Nickelodeon semblance that remains at Universal Studios is the uh, the SpongeBob store that is down there, the massive SpongeBob store. I know Nickelodeon has their own line of amusement parks, but uh, I, I feel like there there could be more Nickelodeon content in Universal. I look across the way at Islands of Adventure and see an entire part of that theme park devoted to classic cartoons like Popeye and the fact that Dudley Do-Right has his own ride and Hey Arnold doesn't. It's kind of upsetting. Um, you know, I was going to say Rugrats, but anybody can come back and say that there's a... You know, those Nickelodeon amusement parks are different. I'm, I'm talking about putting the kind of money that Universal does into making Hogwarts and Springfield of the Simpsons. Like, I want to see Rocco's house built in a theme park. I want to see Arnold's room recreated. Or I want to have a ride... Like, you could do so much with the Nicktoons inside Universal, especially with the kind of money. If you were going to do the money you did for the classic cartoons, you could do one for the Nicktoons and, and do some really cool stuff and build Squidward's Tiki Island head that people can go in. And you can certainly do a, a Rugrats uh, uh, ride, you know, Runaway Reptar, where Reptar is chasing them and different things happen. You can absolutely do that. Or you could even do a SpongeBob ride. I don't know why there isn't more of these being done, but I don't think the Nickelodeon amusement parks, the way that they're built are going to expand in the way that like Universal can with some of these properties. So I don't know if Nickelodeon just doesn't want to do more with Universal since they have their own line of amusement parks, but I just think th there's so much to be made here um, looking at what they've done with other properties. I, I wish Nickelodeon would, would do more, uh, even if it's, I don't know if it's their call, but even in their parks, they should. Do, I love. I love their giant statues of characters. That's one thing I'll give Nickelodeon in their parks. They they build those wonderfully. They always look incredible. Um, but I really miss Nickelodeon Studios. It had such a unique design um, of a of a building that it's to me it's one of a kind. Like even when they painted it over with that Blue Man Group stuff, you could still see the design of the Nickelodeon Studios and and picture it in your head where the certain colors would be and man, it's just not the same. Uh, I absolutely love it. I'm glad I got to be there. Unfortunately, I didn't get to be inside, but you know, um, I, I got to experience it. I got to take a picture in front of the, in the studios, which I still have. And, and with that terrible, that terrible Chucky costume, I, I, I don't have the picture with Angelica anymore. I don't know where that went, but I still have the picture with Chucky and my goodness, the costumes they have now, it's like night and day. You have to see this thing if you've ever seen the classic one. I didn't get to see, apparently a few other characters showed up in the park, like Rocco and Crumb and 
Um, I, I've seen a few other walkarounds. Ren and Stimpy were were costumed characters at a time. So on top of all of that, they also in front of the uh, studios uh, had the time capsule of uh, 1992 that was buried in front of the Nickelodeon Studios. Uh, it was removed in August 2007 and eventually put in front of the Nickelodeon Suites Resort down there in in, uh, in Orlando, which I also got to experience back in 2014, which was really, really cool. Let me tell you, quality, quality hotel. I had a blast staying at the Nickelodeon Suites, even though back in 2016 it was you know taken all the nickelodeon branding was taken away and it went to being just a regular holiday in suites uh the time capsule at this point was moved again from the hotel uh now to its current location in front of the nickelodeon animation studio in burbank california uh it is still set to be opened on april 30th 2042 50 years uh, after it was buried in 1992 in front of Nickelodeon Studios. Uh, for those that want to know what is inside of that time capsule I keep mentioning, uh, the time capsule included items deemed important by the children of 1992 as voted upon by Nickelodeon viewers. Um, so included in the time capsule is some bubblegum, a skateboard, a comic book, a phone book, VHS copies of Back to the Future and Home Alone, assorted photographs of bicycles, trains, cars, politicians, and celebrities, a piece of the Berlin Wall, which is pretty cool, um, the TV guide for Orlando, Florida for the week of April 30th, 1992, a baseball, a Barbie doll, a Nintendo Game Boy, a Nicktoons t-shirt, some Michael Jackson CDs, Twinkies, an issue of Nickelodeon Magazine, Rollerblades, a can of Nickelodeon Gak, Reebok Pump Sneakers, and a copy of the Book of Endangered Species. Uh, some of those are going to be really cool to pull out and see, uh, you know, how they how they are in 2042. Ooh, look at this piece here. Um, the Twinkie, hopefully no one eats that. I, I hopefully, no one pulls that Twinkie out and decides, I wonder what a 50-year-old Twinkie tastes like. I imagine the whole deal is going to be if it's still... It looks as good as it was in 1992. Uh, Twinkies apparently have like no expiration date. They're these magical pieces of food that just don't age. I don't know. Um, that that's going to be really cool. So so obviously keep an eye out on that. Uh, and it's still important because that that was started from the Nickelodeon Studios. It'll be really cool in 2042 to kind of get this resurgence of how important the Nickelodeon studios were and that they were able to do this in 1992. And if anyone out there has any memories of the Nickelodeon studios, post up your pictures on, on social media. Here's a reason tag the, uh, the podcast. I would love to see any of the experiences and stories of the Nickelodeon studios. They clearly meant a lot to a lot of people. So if you're out there listening and you're, you, you have a memory or something, let's talk about it. Come over on Twitter, come over on Instagram, Let's chit chat. I'd love to hear what happened. But that is this week in Nickelodeon history. Thank you for being with me during this episode. Uh, we, we had a lot to cover, but uh, hey, you know, I, I love this stuff. So if you're still listening at this point, thank you for coming along. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Find us on Facebook. Find us on all kinds of social media. If you would like to write into the show and have your questions or comments read out on the air here, uh, you can email me at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. Thank you for joining me this week in Nickelodeon history. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. 
Nickelodeon.